Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. Hey everybody, this is Tom Caffarella. I am super excited for the guest that I have on today, uh, Mitch Steven out of San Antonio. Mitch is a very successful investor. In fact, he's done over a thousand deals and he's also the author of three books. So welcome Mitch to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, so the topic we're going to hit on, the main topic is how did you ever find so many good deals? Like a thousand deals is a, is a lot to do. So how are you finding those? Well, the truth I know is, it's not a, I know it's that, not a simple answer. That's an old number. It's up over around up over 1500 now, but who's counting, right, Tom? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for, for most people to get up to a hundred deals is their goal. So, you know, a thousand to 1500 is, is superb. Well, um, you know, that was the question of the day after my first book. You know, the three books, just to clear it up, My Life in a Thousand Houses is a series of three books. My Life in a Thousand Houses, um, Failing Forward to Financial Freedom was the first book, which I never intend to write. Um, Just something tragic happened, and out of a primal instinct, I started writing. Basically, I was told to, I was cataloging my life. Uh, Forrest Gump ran, I wrote apparently. And I didn't mean to write that book. But after that first book came out, the biggest question of the day was how in the world do you find so many houses? So I did write on purpose the second book to answer that question, which was My Life in a Thousand Houses, 200 plus ways to find bargain properties, which in that book is around 250 ways to find properties because I always over deliver and I knew someone would be counting. So I thought I'd make a fool of them. Um, So I, you know, I put in there 200 plus ways to, to find bargain properties they don't all work in every market and they don't all work for every person. And, and, and some of them uh, are very cheap to do and take labor. And some of them are not so cheap, but there's no labor involved. And so I just was just, I tried to start with the least expensive ways to find houses. If, because most of the people I know start, start out on a shoestring, right? That's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Everyone that starts says to me, how can I find deals without spending money? So what would your, what would your, if you had to answer that question, what would be the number, you know, one and two? Well, the answer is there's no way to find a deal without spending some amount of money. But, but if you want to spend the least amount of money, we could split hairs, but everything costs money. I mean, if you're breathing oxygen, it's costing money. (laughs) Yep. Um, So, um, you know, driving for dollars is is the easiest way. Um, Mm -hmm. Just driving neighborhoods, finding vacant houses. And then everyone kind of stopped short there. They drive for dollars, they take a picture of the house, they write down the address, and they move on. But what you really ought to do is get out at every one of those houses and talk to the two houses on the right and the two houses on the left and the four houses across the street. And not only will you have a better chance of buying the house that you're looking at, but you'll probably end up buying houses that you never even saw yet. And so it's all about talking to people. The more people you talk to and tell what you do, the more chances you have to buy a house because... 
you know, if you think about the planet we live on, especially the United States where we live, I mean, it, there's not a person that does, that's not associated with a house. Every person's associated with a house somewhere, and everyone they know is associated with a house. So when you start telling people that you buy problem houses or situational properties, then there's just a really good chance that you're going to bump into somebody who knows somebody that needs to talk to you. And it's just not, it's not rocket science, really. It's really about persistence and speed these days. Because right now there's so much competition out there. There seems to be a guru holding a seminar on every corner on every weekend in every city right now. It's, it's crazy. And everybody who's ever watched Flip That House wants to be a house flipper, at least for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> yep. And, and so what separates you from the multitudes is that you're going to be um, persistent and that you're going to move quickly when someone's, you know, a hot prospect. You've got to close the deal so, immediately. Contract. You have to. You have to have contracts in your hand. When they say yes, you sign the contract. It's not okay. Well, I'll be back tomorrow. Or no, the the market's too hot for that. Every single person on my team, the day that they come on to my team, so I have a 150 person real estate brokerage. The one of the first things we do is we print out all of the contracts that they need to execute a deal and we make sure they put them in their car because you don't know when someone is going to say yes. And especially on an investment deal, like you said, you have to be ready, willing, and able to sign that person because the moment that you leave, there's an opportunity that someone else is going to come right behind you and offer $2,000 more and then you're out of the deal. Um, so you talked about you know going you know door to door, um, finding motivated sellers that way. Are there any other strategies that you've implemented or you've seen others implement that are very low cost that work well? Well, you know, um, for the longest time, bandit signs worked crazy good for me. I mean, but but yeah. then in recent years or recently, it's about time to revisit it. But recently they stopped being as effective. I think it's because there was so many We Buy Houses signs out there connected to so many, mm, how would you say, less than professional yes. uh people on the other end of the phone that it kind of, I think it might've got a bad rap and people weren't calling them as much or they weren't, they're not taking it serious. Anyways, people, for whatever reason, they're not getting the results they, they used to. It might be time to revisit it that, but, um, but right now, uh, and then everyone was doing mailings yep. and, but everyone, but everyone's mailing the same list and that was part of it, you know? Um, so let me, let me give you my opinion on banding signs. Mm-hmm. When you are driving and you are pulling up to a, a red light that may have a banding sign on it, where are your eyes? Where are you looking? Well, me, no telling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're usually looking down the road or looking at the light. I think you're looking at your cell phone. Yeah. I think most people are looking at their cell phone. And <clears throat> whether you know, or not... Now that you mention it, you're right. And, and even if, you know, you're not looking at your cell phone, like the people who are on the side of the road, the people who would normally see your sign walking around are looking at their cell phone. So we all have our, and again, this isn't everybody, but I think what you've seen as the banding signs being less effective is that people aren't even seeing them. Um, and, and the younger the person is, the less likely they are to see that banding sign on top of the fact that, like you mentioned, there's a bunch of them going up. And on top of the fact that um, they they don't have a great first impression of that person, they're like, "Oh, is this a fly by night company type of thing?" Um, so, 
so you mentioned mailers. Everyone's definitely doing that right now, but that's not that's not low cost. That's actually fairly that's one of the higher cost ones. Is there anything else that you've seen working that's that's low low cost? Well, the mailers, the mail. The, see, everyone thinks the mailers like they mail the thing and they wait for a phone call. Yeah, that's not that's not why I mail. I mean, I don't mail because I'm mailing out the postcards waiting for someone to call me. Yeah, I mail because I want the return postcards. Because if my postcard didn't get there, then no, then neither did anyone else's. Now that person's been identified, and if I can find him, then I'm going to be in a room by myself. So I'm that not. That ma- is a I, very very interesting thing, and I have been lazy when it comes to that and and i've been the person that doesn't take that extra step so you've been successful going that extra mile on that what do you think i I mean mean, do you know what if you send out if you send out ten thousand postcards and you get 300 return postcards i mean yep i i i I got my work cut out for me for the next 90 days yep you know i gotta find 300 people some of these people are not easy to find the harder they are to find the more interesting they are to me Yes. You know, the, the, the harder they are to find, the more interesting they become. They move, they move up my list in intrigue, and my desire to find them gets higher and higher and higher the harder they are to find. Because once I find them, and, you know, we just found a person the other day in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. We, we narrowed him down to four people on Facebook. Those yep. four people all had the same name, and they spoke four different languages. And we sent out a letter to – we posted to all four of them in their own language asking them if they had anything to do with that property. And we found the one out of the four that was – it was his property. And you, you did this through Facebook? Well, that was as a last resort. But, you, you know, I have very powerful skip trace software. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to get because it's very it could be used for evil pretty easy. I mean, mm-hmm. if I if I know your name and I know a correct address where you used to live, yeah, I can get everything in the world on you. I can get your social. I can get your both your phone number. I can get your date of birth. I can get the model of your car and the VIN numbers and the color and the mm-hmm. year. I, I I know what you used to drive. I know what you're driving now. I, I know everything. I can pull up to the house and go, he's here. And they say, how do you know? I said, because that's his car. They say, how do you know? I said, because that's the VIN number. Yeah. So you I know? think. But they so, vet you very hard. You just can't get, I mean, they don't just hand that out. They come to your office. They call it an interview. It's not an interview, Tom. It's an interrogation. And then yeah. they look around the room. And if your office has anybody in it, then they interrogate all those people too. They want to know, you know, they want to make sure that, People aren't going to go around stealing people's identities or using this program for bad. So it's like an FBI background check. It's pretty tough. So at the end of the day, the common themes that I'm hearing are that you can't just do what's easy. You need to actually go that extra mile in order to get what you want to get. Yeah, but you can make it easy. You don't have to do it. You can get... (laughs) You know, I have a VA in the Philippines, works her butt off. I love her to death. And, and uh, you know, she gets, we get those, repon- those return postcards to her. I use a company called um, uh, uh, VAMadeEasy.com, and mm-hmm. they train people to work for real estate investors like me, and they understand what I'm trying to do. They spend 45 days with these people. You know, of course, I'm not getting this person for $2 an hour, but I didn't have to train them, and they're not going to leave for someone who offers them two twenty-five. Because I'm paying them pretty good, I'm paying them real good. As a matter of fact, the equivalent of sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year in the United States, and so they're loyal, they stay, they're trained, um, they're not employees. Um, well, I think the biggest mistake that people make with VAs, and I see this over and over again, is that 
people think that you can just hire anybody, pay them the two or three dollars an hour, put five or ten minutes of training into them, assign them a task, and then you're going to get this incredible work back. And the reality is that, like any other employee, in fact, even more so than a U.S.-based employee, you need to spend a lot of time, effort, and energy getting them up and running. I wasn't even aware of this company uh, that you're that you're talking about. I do a lot of this on my own, but now I'm going to have to look into it because I know that the, the beginning stages of getting somebody trained are the hardest part. And once you get them up and running, it's a little easier. It's called VAMadeEasy.com, and yeah. they train people for 45 days how to go into courthouses, what it, who's del- how to find people delinquents on property taxes, how to find code violations. You know, they just teach them, like, this is what these investors are going to want you to look for. This is what you need to understand. What is a foreclosure? Where do you find people that are in foreclosure? How do you get them a list? How do you make a spreadsheet? What do they want to know in the spreadsheet? You know, well, I want to know everything. I want to know, you know, everything. And so, and then I tie, I tie all that to a postcard mailing business, and it all kind of happens in a roundabout. And all I do is I flip the switch on for the postcards, and I turn it off. If I'm not following up, you know, if I'm behind on following up on the return postcards, I just turn off the mailing switch. And the other thing is, if you don't have a lot of money or you can't mail 10000 then you can you can add more criteria to your filter and make the probability of prospects falling through the filter higher, uh, more logical targets, or, or, or what's the word, uh, more high-intensity you know, I mean, if a person's behind on taxes, that's one level of intensity. So you'd mm-hmm. send them a letter. But if a yep. person's behind in taxes, the house is absentee or vacant, and the person that owns the house is in a different address than the, you know, than the house, and he also has code violations, and uh, he, he's filed for divorce. And I mean, this guy's prospects are way up there. There'll be a lot less of people with that. So you could just, the less money you have, the more targeted your list should be and the more relevant it should be. So that's not necessarily a worse list. You know what I mean? You're sending out fewer people, but they're way more likely to need you. Right, exactly. We actually, because we do so much marketing, we go the opposite way and we start opening up those filters and we're like, well, this person probably won't be motivated, but we've kind of run out of people to market to, so we're going to market to them anyways. And Yeah, so- I understand, because you're trying to reach masses. You're kind of... Doing well, the shotgun we, approach. Well, we have to because of how many people we're marketing to. But I agree with you. If you're able to, your cost per lead and your cost per deal can go down if you're spending less money because you can get a lot more targeted. Yeah, I was now, just trying to. I was trying to encourage people that didn't have a large budget. You can oh, get yeah. a better list. You you'll get the, if you only have two hundred bucks a week to spend, then you're going to get the greatest list. You know what I mean? That that list is going to be the should be the best list of all lists because you're really really running through a lot of filters. So you talked about um, a vendor that you can use. You can just click a button, turning on and off postcards. Do you mind sharing that vendor? Yeah, I use um, Postcard Mania. Okay. And, and then what happens is I have a queue of, of I'm always putting people into this mailing list, you know, new, new people that I want to send, send, send a postcard to or a yellow letter. And so my VA runs all these traps. She runs a certain trap on Monday. She runs a trap on Tuesday. She runs a trap on Wednesday. And she's constantly putting in new people into the queue. And then I turn the queue on and that means they're sent out so many per week. Uh, and then when I get these postcards back, if I get too many, you know, if, if I get too many return postcards, I turn it off 
because I, I need to follow up with the leads that I have now. And I don't need to spend more money on more leads if I haven't finished following up on the ones I have. So I just turn it off. And so I end up really only mailing about every um, three months. So one thing that I didn't get clarity on that I think probably the listeners are probably wondering, you get that return address. Now, you know, that goes on to your list as kind of higher priority. You need to track them down. What are you then doing to reach out to them at that point? Are you remailing them at their new address or are you getting cell phone records? What is the way that you're No, I'm getting cell phone records of them and their relatives and I'm trying to find out where the hell they are. Okay. You know, I'm like, you know, I got some money for Billy, Bob. Can you tell me where he's at? And mostly they think I'm a bounty hunter, so they won't tell me. So the hardest thing to do is convince the relatives that I'm not trying to put him in jail. I like that. that. You know, (laughs) it seems like they always are afraid that there's some, that I'm some negative guy and I'm not, you know, but I have to convince everybody that, that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to give Billy Bob some money over here. Can you help me find out where he is? Can you give him his number and have him call me? I mean, he can call me from a payphone. I don't care. He just needs to call me because it's going to be good for him, I think. Yep. And so are you the one doing that? Or are you having somebody else in your office do that? Actually, Let's get something perfectly clear, Tom. I don't do anything. Okay. I like <laughs> no, that. I, 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 the only the, What I do, Tom, is I provide an infrastructure, which means I have an office and chairs and desks and phones. And then I provide, I'm the one who's responsible for funding all the deals. I'm the guy that finds the private money. I have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars of private money. And my job is to take those people to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, um, take them to the basketball game, and make sure that I stay in good graces with the people that fund my business every day. Well, when you say you do nothing, you're doing the most important thing, which is that you're, um, you're running the business. And you're making all of the decisions and you are directing labor, which I'm the, I'm the CEO. Yes. I mean, you know, Lee Iacocca didn't put tires on the Chrysler cars. He, 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 he made sure that there were people to do that. Yes. So, so in order for you to do that, you set up great systems. Um, mm-hmm. How long did it take you to get the systems that you have today? Was it a process of a few it years, 10 years? It took me 15 years. years. <laughs> 15 years <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it took me 15 years because first of all, I didn't think to do it. I was doing everything. Yeah. And then, then, then you notice like, I can't keep this pace. No, if I stop, it's going to end. And so what am I going to do? And then there's this depressing time where you try, or you half-heartedly go out and try to do, to get some help and you get the crap kicked out of you and then it doesn't work. And then you say, well, this business is just not one of those businesses you can automate, which is complete bull crap. I mean, they automate how to build a Mercedes Benz and they push one off the line like every three hours. You know what I mean? This yeah. is nothing like building a car. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And they do so much more complicated things than this business. And then finally, I went to a mastermind where I sat in a room with people that were could literally, you know, take what I do and throw it in the trash can. And they were doing so much more volume. They were doing so much more efficiently. And they were, in fact, were not, they were on vacation all the time running their business, doing three times as much as I was doing. And so the first part was getting social proof. I now I had now met people that were doing it. And so I was completely wrong about it not being able to be automated. I was, you know, I already kind of knew that in my heart, but that was my excuse. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm looking at these guys and go, yeah, there's no excuse now. And then they taught me, you know, that mastermind cost me $20,000 a year, but I was only in it for a year. And then they started teaching me how they were doing it. And, you know, here's one thing I know for sure, Tom. If they can do it, I can do it. Yep. If it can be done, I can do it. It's just 
I just wasn't a believer yet. Sometimes you got to convince yourself that it can be done. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincamerancoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. Well, one thing that you said a few times was the concept of failing forward. So, yeah, I think the important thing for anyone to note when they're first starting out or even at any point is that people think that success is a straight line. So people think that you make progress, you make X amount of progress every day. And all of a sudden you're at where you are, Mitch, um, in 15 years. But the reality of it is, is that you take two steps forward, you take one step back. You take two steps forward, you take one step back. And the step back that you take, you know, a lot of people at that point want to quit. And what you mentioned was that you thought that a lot of this stuff couldn't be automated. There was probably a point where you thought, okay, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, I gave up. You gave up. And then you said, you know what, I'm going to give it another shot. And what showed you how to do it was that mastermind group. Tell me about um, how you got involved with that. Like, what was the process of you getting involved in that group to start? How did you learn about them? And what made you decide, wow, I'm going to take 20 grand and, and, you know, putting into this thing? I was getting stagnant and I was losing my my zest. And, And like the more I isolated myself, the smaller my box got. You know, over time, you know, I, 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 I was, I was, I had kind of been there, done that, had it figured out, had money, had cash flow. I wasn't really worried about anything. And so I just stayed to myself and I was doing stuff by myself and by myself and by myself. And all of a sudden, I just didn't seem like I was very smart anymore at all. Like, <laughs> like what I thought I used to know did, didn't even apply anymore. And I wasn't doing very much. I thought, you know, I got to go get a new injection. And always when I get like that, I I know that I need to get around thinkers and mm-hmm. doers and excited, high level, high energy people. And so I, I said, you know, there's 83 people that paid 20 grand to be in this room. And I'm looking at some of the names and their accomplishments. And I said, there's no way I can go in that. Room. I know when I go to that room, I'm going to walk out and I'm going to be charged up and I'm going to have a new outlook. And I went there and they showed me. So, you know, I, I gave up. I tried it two or three times and then I gave up and then I, I sat around for another two or three years. And then I, I went to that mastermind and uh, came home. But the hardest part was I had to stop doing houses or I had to do a lot less houses and to focus on my business for a year. I had to focus on the infrastructure of my business, which meant I had to give up these deals and not be, I, I couldn't run to answer every deal and go out there and do what I was doing. I had to stop and say, no, I, I got to let that deal pass because I got to work on how I'm going to figure out how this chair is going to operate without me. And then again, the concept of taking a step back to take a step forward. It was more than a step back. It was <laughs> like, it was like I stopped completely for like yep. six or eight months and thought, you know, I'm not, I I knew though instinctively that I couldn't keep going the way I was going. I was going to burn out. I was just going to fall down. Yeah. Because everything was me. I had to be the advertiser, the the guy who did the collections, the guy that you know did the closings, the guy that did everything. Practically not everything, but most of it. I had my daughter's been with me twenty two years. She's a great asset. Closed every deal in and out. But but I was still doing everything else. And so I just said, you know what? I'm going to take a year and really apply myself on 
whatever systems are out there and figure out which systems I'm going to use. I'm going to put them in and I'm going to prepare myself that I'm going to hire people that are not going to work out, that I'm going to have to fire them and then I have to get someone else. And I may have to do it three or four times in every chair. Yeah. Well, I'm going to find somebody that's going to stick. And that's and, not easy. It's not easy finding the right person. It is a process. And like well, you said, I learned a lesson there. Yeah, I, I would go with my instincts of who I thought I would interview them. I'm not an interviewer. I never I never had employees before to speak of, you know, and I would find people that I like that were, you know, we laughed. We had a good, you know, and I'd hire them and they sucked. <laughs> and so I started giving them personality tests and the personality uh, a, test would say higher or something like that. Yeah. A disc. Uh, Kobe. A Kobe. OK. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And they'd say hire this guy. And I'd look at the guy and go, I oh, mean, I talked to that guy. That guy's never going to make it. That guy's still working for me five years later. Yeah. And he's a, he's a rock star at what he does, at his Col- portion. Colby, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Colby the one that tells you what you're naturally inclined to do? Or is that a different test? Again, I didn't pick the test. I never reviewed it. I don't review it. My people oh. review it. But, but okay. They're telling me that the test tells me to pick this guy. And I said, the guy's an engineer. He's not going to be good at sales. And then lo and behold, he's. So I I believe, I mean, there's all different personality tests, but I believe what the Colby test does is it tells you what you do in your natural state, because I believe the theory is that you're the more that you can get into your natural state in a work environment, the more productive you're going to be, the more you're going to like doing what you do. So, for example, if you're a natural salesperson and then you put somebody behind the desk and they have to calculate formulas all day long, they're going to hate it. They're not going to be good at it. They're going to be going against the grain and vice versa. If you get somebody who's, you know, really, um, you know, someone who should be behind a desk doing spreadsheets and you try to put them in a sales role, maybe they can fake it for a while. Maybe they can even get good at it for a while, but they're never going to love it. And because of that, it's always going to be going against their natural instinct. Um, I, I think you're right about that. I think you're right. That's what the test does. Um, because um, the other thing I had to learn was uh, not to not to find people from the investment clubs or people that were interested in real estate. I didn't want people to want to be me. I needed people to do this job over here, this <clears> job. <throat> you know, yeah. so I, I was going and hiring um, really good Hoover vacuum cleaner salesmen and saying, look, you're making $50,000 a year. I got a job where you could make 80 to 100 to different product, but you're a great salesman. You want to come over here and learn how to do this. I, I, I trained so many real estate people that went out on their own to become my competitors. Or really, they all went out to be my competitors. They all went broke because I make it look kind of easy. Everyone thinks it's easy. And people only see the income checks. They never saw my outflow. You know, no. they, they, weren't, they weren't looking at my expenses. They were just seeing that I got a $50,000 check in the mail, never mind that that I only got 20000 of that fifty. you know what I mean? They just saw the fifty, and so the people would, and so now I broke up all the jobs. They're individually compartmentalized. They don't really cross over or talk to each other at all. They just mm-hmm. do their damn job, and the day that the acquisition man says, hey, I think I can uh, go over and sell this house for you, I says, no, your, your job's to find houses. I already have a salesman. If you go show a house, you're fired. I didn't hire you to sh- sell houses. How would you find houses? So you talked about being in that group. And I think one of the things that I've always learned is, you know, once you start to get some success, it's easy to be the smartest person in the room. But the problem with being the smartest person in the room is that you don't grow. So, you know, for me, I've always found that I want to be the dumbest person in the room. 
And so you getting into that mastermind program, I'm not saying that you were the dumbest person in the room, but you were at least in a room where people were ahead of where you were at. No, there was a lot of people that were way ahead of me. A lot of people. Yeah. They were they were they were ahead of me in different departments, though. They might not have been ahead yeah. of me in every department. They were, but they but they had something in a department that I really lacked. So I think that's a better way to put it. It's like, yep. There was places where I was ahead of people in, in that room, but there was a lot of places where they were ahead of me, like marketing or hiring or systems. There were people that were just doing things that I had never even thought about in those mm-hmm. departments. And so um, it was the best money I ever spent. I ever spent. Um, it changed my whole entire life. For the first time in my life, in 22 years of being in the house business, I actually own a real business. I mean, I work on my business. I don't work in my business. I never, I haven't been to a closing in 10 years. I haven't seen nor I haven't seen the houses that I purchased in in three and a half years, and I have not seen the people that bought my houses in three and a half years. So I think for a lot of people, that's going to be a, a mind blowing concept that you've never been inside those properties. How I never, you, I never even drove outside. I might have saw, I might have saw a picture of them or a, a report on them. I mean, I saw numbers all the time, and people would call me with the numbers. Hey, I got this house. It's over in so and so neighborhood. I can buy it for this much. We think you know the rents are this much. We can sell it for this much. I said, okay. What's the air, how much work does it need? You know, they tell me that was it. You know, I'm driving, doing whatever I'm doing, and I'm answering you know the calls from the acquisition manager. I have four acquisition managers. All they do all day long is look for houses for me. And I've got them all in separate lanes so that they're not walking on each other and I'm not competing against myself for the same kinds of houses. So what does their day-to-day look like for you know one of those four people? Well, they can they 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 have a certain commission schedule if they you know a certain amount of money they make if they if they close on one of the houses that I generated the lead on mm-hmm. and then they have ways for them to generate their own leads that I don't have anything to do with or don't spend any money on and they get, they get paid much more uh, for leads that they generate. And the idea is to keep them busy and to keep them out of each other's way. So like if one guy's likes to do uh, online auction sites, mm-hmm. I don't need two people doing that. I'm going to be bidding against myself. You know yeah. what I mean? So stay away from there. Uh, one guy's doing tax liens. I don't need three people chasing tax liens. I mean, uh, not tax liens, um, you know, people that are behind on property taxes, delinquent taxes. You know, I don't need three people chasing that list. It's only one guy is good enough. So everyone picks, we got everyone in their own lane. And then everyone's assigned, there's 8,000 realtors in, in San Antonio. And all four of them are assigned 2,000 of them. And so they're not, even, they're not even competing for the same realtor. And they're prospecting to those realtors to say, hey, next time you find a great deal, you know, bring it my way type of thing? Yeah, a little more intricate, but yeah. yeah. Um, we, um, you know, we use slide drop and we, 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 drop, we drop a voicemail <clears throat> for cashforhouses.net to mm-hmm. 8,000 realtors um, three times a year. And it's a way of branding my name to them. And slide drop is when <clears throat> you're dropping a pre-recorded voicemail, right? On their, on their, on their, uh, on their cell phone or their, their, their other voicemail. And is that just kind of an introductory, hey, this is, um, you know, this is Mitch Steven Group. We're looking to buy properties in the area or is it something more? I mean, mine says, hey, my name is Mitch Steven. Uh, I, I founded Cash4Houses.net. That's Cash, the number four, Houses.net. I founded it 22 years ago. I've bought 1,500 houses in San Antonio since 1996. I'm a professional house buyer. I deal in situational properties or situational sellers. And so if you have a... 
property or a seller that's in a situation, I really need to talk to you today because I got a private lender and now I'm pitching private money even underhandedly. I got a private lender who wants to get out $700,000 and I got to spend $700,000 as fast as I can before he goes someplace else. So I need to buy some property. So will you please remember cashforhouses.net if you've got some kind of situational property. When I say situational, I mean, has it been on fire? Did it have a cracked foundation? Uh, 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 you know, is there an illness or does it have mold? Whatever it is, I buy problems. You got some houses out there with some problems and they're kind of difficult. That That's my, you're talking my language. Give me a call. I'll follow up with you in about, you know, another 60 days just to remind you of who I am. And then I got a follow-up drive. So I just, I just keep dropping. And so I'm branding cashforhouses.net and my personality over 8,000 realtors. And you only really need to buy one house from a hundred realtors. You know, if you have a hundred house, if you have, if you can just get a hundred realtors to bring you one house, that's a good year. That's a great year. Out of 8,000. I'm just looking for a hundred. And a hundred of them. That, that, marketing, me. That, that marketing effectively costs you nothing. Uh, you know, slide drop is um, $100 to drop 2,000 messages. So to drop a message on all 8,000 realtors, it costs me 400 bucks. If I don't buy a house in 8,000 drops, you know, I just go shoot myself. Yeah, yeah. How, how often do you get, you know, like obviously a lot of real estate agents are going to be attracted to that. How often do you get get them get agents to call you they just don't understand the concept that it needs to be an investment deal and they try well, you to have to understand you're going to get nasty phone calls and people are going to you know not like it and you know if, if someone's not cussing you out you're not you're you're, you're not putting out enough messages a hundred percent yep yeah so you know first of all just get prepared for that then people are going to call you up and call you all kinds of names and tell you don't ever call them again and say you know <laughs> I, I really apologize i'll take you right off the wrist right now I had no idea that you didn't want to sell me a house. Yeah. And so who's responsible? You drop those 8,000, you get calls back. Are they routing to those four agents? Well, yeah. Some way? I assigned, you know, I assigned uh, 2,000 2, real estate agents to each of the four acquisition managers to cover all of them. I just divided the amount of agents by the amount of acquisition guys I have so that they're not competing for the same realtors. I'm trying but, to, you know, I don't want to have conflict among my, my guys. But um, the number that the people are receiving from the slide drop, if they call it back, do they go right to one of your four people? Or is there no callback number? No, we just have a, we have a answering service that just captures the phone number. I and see. It gets it to them. It's a, it's uh, a, actually, it's a rotating thing. I don't have, it's not, it, it, it just, 8,000, if we have any calls, it just goes around the four. It's I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, cool. So, I mean, that's definitely a system that I could probably implement in my business. So I have not done a good job of marketing to agents in my market. And even though we do a ton of deals and we're fairly well known, I... Okay, so here's what happens. So you yeah. got the 8,000, you got the 8,000 realtors. So you got one spreadsheet that says realtors. Yep. Then you got... Uh, if a realtor responds favorably, you know, is, is just responds. Hey, nice to meet you. And, and then we move that guy to my realtor, mm-hmm. which is a much smaller list now. He had 8,000. Then some people respond and say, hey, got your message. Just want to introduce myself. Great. He moves to my realtor list. And then there's the one that says, 
I got a house I want you to look at. Whether the house makes sense or not, the fact that he brought you a deal, whether it makes, a lot of times it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're like, man, this isn't a deal. Yes. It doesn't matter. He thought of you and brought you an offer or, or brought you a house to consider. Now we move them to my active realtors. So if I could just get 50 to 100 active realtors, I, I would probably never have to look for houses any other way. So I, you're you're teaching me something right now because I've made this mistake. I've made the mistake of reaching out to an agent. They send me a deal that doesn't make sense, and then I get frustrated and I give up. So um, I definitely am, am taking note of this, and I'm I'm definitely going to take a different strategy from now on. I do. But the funny thing is, I actually I have a bunch of people who could take these calls and fail these things, and I just haven't done it. Well, the um, secret the secret I think Tom's in the follow up because yep. it's. You train them in the follow-up. So, so now you got my you got my realtors and my active realtors. You went from realtors, just all the realtors, to my realtors, which means you know we made contact, and then the ones that actually had a proposal. Go look at this property, see what you think. So I'm taking the my realtors and my active realtors, and I'm putting them into an automatic text an automatic email program where I promise not to beat them up. I'll send them one text every three weeks and one email every three weeks. So to stay, to stay top of mind. Yeah. So it's a text. Like, let's say, say, um, let's say it's a month. It's a text every two weeks and then an email every two weeks and then a text in two weeks and then an email in two weeks. And what you say is you don't say, Hey, do you have a deal for me? Cause that's just shit. Everybody wants a deal. So, I mean, let's make it interesting for them. First of all, try to make it funny or make it appealing. Just and make it short. I mean, um, like I send out an a email with a heading. I always put Mitch and then slash and then whatever the heading is. I want them to know it's me. So my email always starts with Mitch, space, slash, and then whatever, space, whatever the topic is. Maybe I say, I like, I like them burning. You know, <laughs> I, like, I like them smoking. Yeah. That's what the heading says. He opens it up. There's a picture of a house that's so on fire you can see the skeleton. Yeah. Says, hey, I just bought a burn house today on so-and-so street. It wasn't too bad. It had a little kitchen fire, probably $10,000 in damage. I bought it for $20,000. i am going to pay fifteen to remodel it. I'll probably be putting it on the market for eighty. That's the kind of stuff I buy, man. Do you see anything like that out there? Let me know. So you're like kind of training them. Oh, that's the kind of crap he buys. Yeah. You know, the other one is, I like him leaning. Mitch slash, I like him leaning. You know, he, the other one was so funny. He's going to open this one. You know, yeah. what, what's he doing now? Well, yeah. you got this house and it's just leaning so far, it's about to fall over. And you say, hey, I just bought a house with a little foundation problem. So I think that the key thing here for anyone that's on the call and they have tried to work relationships with agents is that it's not a one meeting, one time thing. Because a traditional real estate agent does not come across a lot of these deals. They may come across one. They may come across two a year. You're the taking words right out of my mouth, Tom. One or two a year. And and the rest of them are all going to be retail for that person. A retail meaning they're going to be nice houses that are going to be listed and they're going to be getting traditional buyers. So the issue that we have as investors, and I know because, again, I've made this mistake, you get all excited, you meet with an agent, you pitch them. And then the agent, the next five appointments they go on are all great, nicely renovated properties. And then by the time six months later that they get to that burn house, they've already forgotten about you. Well, and so right. it's, our, it's yeah. our job as the investor to make sure that we are top of mind at all times with these agents 
or else what ends up happening is these properties go direct on the MLS and then we're competing with everybody else. Yep, Toma, top of mind awareness. What was that guy's name? Hopkins? Yeah, is it John Hopkins? Uh, no, it's, uh, I'm not even sure. I know what you're talking about. It was a long about, time ago. It was like yep. in the 70s. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, you're just, you know, no one likes to get beat up with emails every day and all that. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to write about the time they're about to, I'm starting to slide out of their memory. Oh, here's another little text from Mitch. Here's another little email. And I have them all automated. I wrote them all. Uh, once they're at the program, I don't think about them. I don't have to send them anymore. It's just going out to them until they say stop. So you talked about getting into a coaching program and kind of how it changed your career. I know that you're doing some coaching now. Um, do you want to give our listeners a little bit of information about that and how that works? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, people got me pegged in the owner financing and like that's all I do. I bought houses every way known to to man, seems like. I I know how to wholesale retail um flip contracts get options i i know how to do buy subject to lease option i've done everything but i especially i'm i'm out there looking for the perfect owner finance house because that's my gig that's my that's what it turns me on that's that's my mo that's what i want to do but along the way like out of 100 houses i'll wholesale 35 of them because they don't fit mm -hmm. or sometimes i might have to wholesale them because one of the guys on my team needs a paycheck Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, you liquidate one so the guy can live to fight another couple of months. You know what I mean? So um, and then 10 percent of them are retail. So only about, you know, 55 percent are really accomplishing my owner finance goal, which is what I really love to do myself personally. But here's the thing. I'm like 15 K. I got fifteen hundred deals worth of experience. Uh, Twenty two years of getting kicked up and down the street. And then a lot of mentoring programs that I've taken myself and learned a lot from. I put it all in this big cauldron. If you don't think I can save you or make you an extra $15,000 in the next 12 months, you're crazy. The only the way I can't do it is if you're not doing anything. The thing that's interesting about real estate and why the coaching I think is so important is that the margins are so big. And that goes both ways. The margin to make money is big, but then the margin to lose money is big. So like you mentioned, sometimes it's not even just about making an extra 15000 but it's about not losing an extra 15000 You know, you're really astute, man. You're like, you're like, are you sure you haven't been like in my mind or something? Because you're like, come, you, you're almost ahead of me. Like every I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. You, you know this business well. Um, uh, because I was going to say, you can measure a mentor by how much money they make you or by how they help you make some extra money that you didn't know about. And that's real easy to measure, but you'll never be able to measure how much money they kept you from losing because you can't well, measure the negative. We, I talk to people all the time and, you know, investors that are looking to get into this. And I've also talked to investors that have gotten out of it. And a lot of times what happens is in the beginning, somebody runs out, they do a bad deal and that ruins them. You know? I know and they lost the whole career. It was almost they, me. It was they, almost me. Yeah. And they, they and I don't even want to say they financially lose everything, but the, when you do, after you do a bad deal, the problem is, is that you think this doesn't work. And then mentally, you, a lot of people will cross that off the list that I'm not going to be a real estate investor now. Yeah. It knocks and, the wind out of them. It knocks the wind out of them and they don't, they don't recover. And it, like I said, it doesn't, it can be a financial thing that they don't recover from, but it can also be a mental thing. Um, I had a person that I would talk to recently um, they bought a property on the MLS. They put a hundred thousand into the deal, and then they lost forty thousand. They did a year-long project to lose forty thousand dollars, and 
you know, I, I had a discussion with that person. I got them, you know, I, I did my best to get them back on track and say, look, you can make a lot of money in this business, but they, they had such a bad experience in their first deal that it's yeah. going to take, it's going to take double the effort for them to get there mentally, even though they want to do this business. Yeah, so let's look at what should have happened. They yeah. should have paid ten or fifteen or twenty thousand if someone had been there before. They'd have told them, "No, you don't start off your career on a hundred thousand rehab. That's no. ridiculous. Go yeah. find something that's easy to flip." Well, as a matter of fact, let's just find four wholesales for five thousand a piece and get your twenty thousand back. Let's start there. You know, yeah. don't do any work to anything. Just do four flips or five flips, and let's just get your twenty thousand back that you paid me. I'm not even twenty thousand, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll talk mm. about why I'm what I am in a second. But so first thing, if they would have hired me, I wouldn't have let them do a hundred thousand re- dollar rehab on their first deal. That's just, Agreed. just yep. completely stupid. It and is. I, and, I, and I think, I think. And, they, and if you're, and if your guy's listening to this, I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just saying, I wouldn't let you go there guy. I wouldn't let you go there. Well, I, he's, I appreciate, he's, he's, I appreciate your tenacity and that you jumped out there with both feet, but I wouldn't let you jump. Well, yeah, you're not saying he's stupid. It was, it was a stupid decision that was made because they did not have the experience. And we all make bad decisions when we don't have experience. And it's a lot easier to make a good decision once you've had the experience. And teaming up with somebody who's 10 steps ahead of you is going to allow you to make those better decisions. So what is what is working with you actually look like? Is it phone calls, emails? Is it what is it? I got, you know, I got three different levels. It's not complicated. It's really yeah. pretty simple. I got my owner financing pro. 2.0. It's 25 hours of me describing exactly how I do all the facets of my business. And it's enough to launch a career. Uh, but there's no access to me there. But it's it's relatively cheap. Um, it's on it's $14.95 all over the internet. Um, if you and look, is this is this the RE RE investor summit.com? No, that's a podcast. That's just okay. Like, Talk what, to people. Where is the well, before you even get into it? Where is yeah. the URL that people can find all this information? It's one thousand houses.com, one zero 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 houses.com. And you just look on the tabs, there's Mitch's books, there's coaching and mentoring, there's free stuff, there's all kinds of stuff there. And so, yeah, if you dig around or if you get through some affiliates or whatever, you can find it on special for $4.97. But if you just go to the internet, it's you, it's it's fifteen hundred bucks for us. And then the next level is you get the course and you get a Tuesday night group coaching call, which is every Tuesday night at seven o'clock Central Standard Time, where people that want to talk to me once a week, you know, can get on that call. And my commitment on that call, it's always me for five years. You get two hundred hours of archived Q and A. And you get me on the call, and my commitment is I'm going to be on that call until every question's answered. And I don't care if that's an hour or that's three hours. Whatever it is, if you got your hand raised, you press star two to raise your hand. If you got your hand raised, I'm gonna you're, you're gonna your question's gonna get answered before it's over. And then last and the only other level is fifteen thousand bucks, which and I have I reserve the right to change the prices on anything, but there should be this way for a while. And you have my personal phone number. I'll call you and we'll do some personal consult and figure out who you are and what you're doing and what your aptitude is. And I won't even take you if I don't think you have a certain aptitude or you're not in the right market or you're not in the right place. But but if I deem that you're ready and you think I'm the right guy, then we'll make a decision to, to go to that level. And then you just call me whenever you need me, seven days a week, whenever. And because 
I have, I'm allowing that much access from people. I can only take about 10 people at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, sense. maybe in a year I'll take 30 people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, you know, everyone's top heavy for about the first 30 days. And then after that, the questions are more like bullet points. You know, I just, they ask me a question, I send an answer or they text me or it's an answer. But the first 30 days is usually kind of top heavy with everybody. So as I get through the first 30 days with everybody, I can take on another person. Makes and you sense. can do the math 15,000 times 30 or 35 people. It's a good living. Um, but I still have seven other companies to run. I still have a family and, you know, I got to leave time for myself. So I'm not, I'm not a millhouse. Yeah. I'm not a millhouse. And I think to me, that's important. And I, I don't, you know, I don't like to get negative on really too many things, but uh, the millhouse part of it, problem I've seen with what you're describing is that a large organization pitches this coaching and then you get filtered down to a person. Yeah. They bought 20 houses last year. Big deal. They're, they're not much further ahead than you are. And the reason that that happens is because they sell so many of these programs that they have to then go they down and they can't I'm, keep up. Yeah. I'm not scalable. I'm not scalable. The way right. the, the, the gurus tell me all the time, Mitch, you're doing this all wrong. You're not scalable. You'll never make, you know, uh, 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 $2 million, $5 million a year doing this or $10 million a year. You'll never do it. You go, you know what? If, if, if making $10 million or $20 million a year, means that I'm going to have lawsuits all over the nation and people are pissed off at me and writing crap about me in the internet and, you know, and they never even got to even meet me. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Because half of, honestly, part of the reason why I do it is I'm still an investor at heart. Three things I want to make a point is that those students keep me sharp. They are learning things about softwares that I could never, I mean, I could never cover as much ground as my the collective body of students covers. They cover ground like crazy. They know what's new. They know what's happening. They know trends. They know when laws change. They just—they're just like a network with their ear to the ground. They know, mm-hmm. and they come back. And I might know—I might know 99% of the puzzle, and it's difficult for me to find an extra added value piece. But when someone brings a piece that I didn't know about, wow, it changes everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I put that in the cauldron. And the other thing is—is is I get a kick out of being personally involved in changing the way people live. And when people travel 300 miles to knock on your door to shake your hand and say, you changed my life, that means a lot to me. And so I went, I went to a, a Tony Robbins event last, I don't know, Thursday or Tuesday. And um, he had a bunch of very, very successful people there. Um, business owners, a couple of real estate people. All of them said the same exact thing. They all said, I got a lot of fulfillment out of becoming rich myself. Don't get me wrong. But where I really took, you know, my own, you know, personal pleasure to the next level was when I helped other people. And every single one of them said the same thing. They said, you know, that once they attained financial success themselves, that was no longer important to them. They wanted to help others because they were already rich. So now they wanted to help other people get to that point. And that's really where they got a lot of their benefit. And um, I think, you know, that's exactly what you're saying. And well, I hope everybody has a chance to, to, to feel this, that, you know, I can say it, but a lot of you will think, you know, it's cliche or, 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 uh, or, you know, you can't fathom that I actually believe this, but I do. And what I'm going to say is there, there comes a point 
that it's not about the money anymore. You already handled the money part. I got, I can't eat anymore. I can't drink anymore. <laughs> That's exactly There's right. Not really anything I want to do that makes any sense that I would want to do it. I mean, I'd love to like take everybody in a Learjet to go around the world and everything, but you know, that would be a complete, it's irresponsible. There's people that need help. There's other things that, that really need to be done and I'll forego that to, mm -hmm. to do other things. You know, I'm just not that kind of person. But, um, and so at some point, I hope everyone gets to experience that it's not about the money anymore. I mean, you've got enough and it's still growing and it's still growing now. And I'll have even more than enough next month. But, um, so there's gotta be something else to my life besides just that, because I already, I already whipped that. Mm -hmm. And so what's really neat is like I say, I've had it happen more than a couple of times. People have driven many, 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 many miles, uh, even a, a day to knock on my door, tell me who they are. I never met them before face to face. I recognize their voice and they come to put their arms around me and then they get back in their car and they go home. Yep. And it, until it, you've had that happen, I can't explain it to you. Yeah. And, and I can say, you know, from my perspective, you know, my story is that I was an accountant. I hated my job. And when you hate your job, you start to, you know, hate your life, to be honest. Yeah. And those and, are the people that came, the ones that got out of that, the ones yep. that you helped get them out of that. Exactly. And they now have purpose and they're driven and they're being able to be the person they were supposed to be. You know, they're finding they're, they're being who that Colby test told them they're supposed to be. Exactly. Um, so Again, you want to give that URL uh, one more time. I know it's 1,000. 1,000houses.com, 1,000houses.com. And if you want to listen to my podcast, I think I've, I've interviewed over 120 people or whatever. It's, it's uh, reinvestorsummit.com. Uh, you can go there and listen to me till you're blue in the face. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Mitch, I want to thank you for, for jumping on. Um, we talked about the best way for people to contact you. And so as, as far as I go, if anyone wants to reach out to me directly, the best way to get in touch with me is to go to my URL, www.realestateinvestingiseasy.com. And I want to thank everybody for watching or listening, depending on what device you're on. I'm Tom Caffarella, and I look forward to seeing you guys on the next show. Thank you, Mitch, again. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.